Welcome to the Mixed Stand Alliance podcast, where we talk about being mixed military moving on. Today, had to start recording before we started catching up and chit-chatting. We got Corey, who I haven't seen in ages. And then it's kind of a weird story, right? Like, well, so first, let's see. First, let's go. You are, what's your affiliation with the military community? We'll start okay. there. So I grew up at Air Force, Brett. Of course, we met at Scott Air Force Base. Right. Uh, my father was stationed there until... 82, we went over to Germany after that. And then shortly after my parents got divorced and we moved back to the area and moved into a house that he had bought when he was on one of his duty stations, at, which is at Scott Air Force Base uh, in Lebanon, Illinois. So mm-hmm. we moved back there around maybe 80, 80, 83, 84-ish. I'm seven or eight years old, so come on, it's a little fun. But um, <laughs> but at the, at, the, at the same time, that's the story of um, my military brat days more than anything. But coming up through high school in that area, uh, of course, you know, east of St. Louis, not necessarily East St. Louis, even though you might have to claim it every now and then. Or something. <laughs> it's like um, people claim it's Chicago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody was saying You've Chicago. never lived in Chicago. <laughs> this is not that Illinois. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, more than anything, um, just growing up in the area, that's where Jennifer and I met, Scott Air Force Base, more than anything. Um, I went to a different school, rival school than she did. Uh, but at the same time, we all got together and had fun with the parties, things like that. You know how to yeah, because we had mutual friends, Greg, Gary, all them, right? The Lebanon yep. crew. And Gary not... right down the road. Oh, does he really? Yep. Oh, we should get you guys all on then together. Do you still talk to all of them then? Like Greg yeah. and them or no? Yeah. Gary, uh, Big Lou is here. Um, I don't know if you ever met Big Lou. You might, you I might. don't know. And then I think I remember his name, Rob. Yeah, you Robert. might. Robert. Robert Wagner, Cricket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what we call him. We call him Cricket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's a long story. But, yeah. He's from he's from West Palm Beach, I believe. And, uh, oh, really? Don't quote me on that, but I know he's um, he's there now. I think he's there now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, supposed yeah. to get all to get together on my birthday in November, but that really didn't happen. Oh, um, but moving forward, military affiliation. I graduated high school, um, and instead of going off to school at Tennessee State, I was like, I'm too immature for this. I was 17 years old. I don't know if you knew I was that much younger than everybody else, but I was. Um, but I graduated high school and was just on my way down to see the Air Force recruiter, but my dad had pissed me off that morning, and um, I was at my mother's beauty shop right there in Vincent. So I walked down the street, and I was on my way to a recruiter, and it was really hot. It was like 103 degrees that day. Sat down on the park bench that's right there by the recruiter's office, and um, of course, Marine Corps recruiter came out, gave me some water, and was like, "Uh, what you doing here? Oh boy! You know he got me signing a contract in the Marine Corps recruiter's office. There we go. That's my. That's what possessed you (laughs) to go from the Air Force to the Marine Corps. (laughs) Exactly. My dad's big joke was you didn't aim high enough. (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) Well, what year were you born? Air Force. I just missed. Yeah. What year were you born? I didn't realize. Oh, 1975. Oh, so you're actually older than me. You're a year older than me. Exactly. So, yeah, that's kind of how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. When I was, oh. uh, I was born in Okinawa, Japan. Where we you really? 
Yep, on November 10th, the 200th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Dude, we were there at this. Well, when did you leave the island at that time when you were a baby? I, when did you leave? Uh, I want to say it was about two or three years later. There was a, um, there was a, uh, what do you call it? They, a, um, a citizenship issue where I think my parents had to leave me there for a while. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah, it's a long story. Wait, so were you born on Camp Cooey, the army hospital there? No, I wasn't. As a matter of fact, I was born in Naha in a hospital down there. Oh, interesting. Dude, we were there at the same time then, because I was born on Camp Cooey, well, when it was called Camp Cooey, in yeah. October of 76. Look at that. Twice, dude, well, twice. <laughs> was supposed to, it was bound to happen, right? We were bound to meet somewhere oh in the world. <laughs> okay, I so I guess, yeah, so the story then now, that's so cool. I did not realize that. So the story with us meeting the second time there, like I vaguely remember, like I think I had gone... Was I like I think I was in your barracks with a friend of mine who was and we were seeing yes. like somebody she knew or was dating, I think. Cause I was like, why? Cause you were at Fatenma, right? Yeah, I was at Fatenma. And um yeah, I was there. And then um I forgot the guy's name. I can't even remember which was friend like, I was with. And he was just like, look at her. And I was like, Yeah, she's American. And I was like, I think I know her. <laughs> then I got close to the close to the door and you just kind of walked away in the distance and I'm like I know I gotta go say something and there it was yeah because I think you mentioned them and I was like wait a second <laughs> yeah, and I was working at the uh package store at that time also oh yeah yeah so I remember they had the package store on base there the liquor stores so. Yeah, that was so crazy. Cause I was like, I don't know why I would have been on Fatenma, except because I think you were the only person I knew that was stationed on that base. So I must I had to have gone with a friend who was seeing like her boyfriend or something. Or and, it could um, have been on Foster, because I lived on Foster for a little while. I'm almost positive it was Fatenma. Okay, okay. But I did live on I lived on Foster. I lived in the Foster Towers, but I'm almost positive it was Fatenma. Yeah, and it was just so random. You know what? <laughs> There were some towers. I remember um, I came over your house one time and um, it was in some towers, I believe. It was three towers. They were fairly new. And um, there was like a, um, a, a a fire station there, too. And it was right outside one of the gates. But um, no, because my dad, well, we, he was stationed technically at Kadena Air Base and he worked on Kadena Air Base, but we had to, we went to the Foster Towers because he wanted to live on in on base housing, but he was mm -hmm. an E9 and the only E9 housing available was in the towers. So we were in the middle tower, but yeah, like it was just so random. I remember. <laughs> That's beautiful. That was a great time in my life. You couldn't tell me, you couldn't tell that I was afraid kind of being over there on my own. Didn't probably. <laughs> I was very afraid over there by my on my own because it was a lot of things happening, a lot of uh, war gaming and stuff like that. I was involved, and I'm in the Marines, right? So think about that. <laughs> well, didn't Marines do? Was it Team Spirit or something in South Korea a lot? Yep, Team Spirit and Cobra Gold. I was in both of them. Yeah, that's what I remember because a lot of my Marine friends would have to go over to South Korea a lot and do stuff. And then there was like talk about. Remember towards the end, like North Korea, and if we'd have to evacuate, and I'm like, all right, I feel like we're like maybe exaggerating. Let's just like wait and before things get all, you know, people start freaking out and going crazy. And because I mean, Okinawa is kind of that like 
Yeah, it's right you there. know, the hub and right there. So, yeah, oh my that, goodness. That was a scary time. I didn't remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get into it. Um, let's see. My printer wasn't working, so I got all this stuff on my phone. All right, so I did not realize you were in Lebanon that long. So you said, what, you were born in Okinawa. And then, um, so was your dad stationed at like Kadena or Naha Air Station at that time? Well, he was uh, stationed at Kadena. Um, we lived somewhere outside of Naha. So I know he was between Kinzer and Kadena a lot. And he always okay. mentioned he was doing, of course, uh, what is it, flight? Uh, it was in transportation. I can't tell you specifically. They were loading planes and things like that. But okay. they were also doing it at Fatima, um, Foster, and well, not Foster, but Kinzer. They were doing some loads or some things like that. He explained it to me why he was specifically um, living in Naha, right outside of Kinzer. So. Okay. It kind of, it's still blowing my mind. We were there at the same time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. It just so happens that I found out young Jeezy and I were there at the same time. Yeah, well, because he was the, he went to high school with my sister. Yeah, so there it he is. Dated her friend. Yeah. There's a, whole, <laughs> there's a whole story where I he was there at the competition where I beat this Japanese girl Kazumi uh, in a DJ competition oh. for her turntables. We were we were just basically battling for our turns. I had no records. She was like, "What songs do you need?" And I she had it marked and everything ready to go. And I was just like, I've never done this routine without my stuff. Right. It was just different. Was oh, just my different. goodness. So I do I was you. I the American. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> do you still talk to him then? Um, no, not at all. It was just one of those things where we happened to be at the same place at the same time. Yeah. And I was just like. We just looked at each other. was like, I've seen you somewhere. And he was like, yeah, i seen you too. And it was, where, you, where, where have you done this and where have you done that? And we had a lot of time to talk, you know what I mean? It wasn't like me starting out the show or anything. I was DJing. Right. And this was in D.C. This was years and years and years later. And then he just started talking. And it found the Kinzer connection. He was, his, uh, his aunt, I believe, was stationed at Kinzer for the, in the Marine Corps. And he was just over there with them. And for some reason, we all kind of DLD schools, you know how it goes. Yeah. So I was just over there. I was a Marine at the time. So just think about that. And he was just at those events that I went to, hip hop events. And he was just out there hanging out. And we connected the dots on that. And a few other people later on in life. So that's another thing. I feel like I hear that a lot about Okinawa is that like, because I think um, at least for me and a lot of other people that I know, like it's such a like special place. And so like it sort of connects a lot of people. And then once you like hear, oh, yeah, I was stationed here. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. And all of a sudden you're like besties then, <laughs> at least for like that little period of time. Because if you know something about the pyramid and eight beat and all of oh, that, yeah. like for real, that was like life. This is like your first duty station, your first time away from home. Like getting out of college, actually have a job and some money, or should I say, getting out of high school? Yeah. Starting college, and you have, uh, you just, you're in the military. It's your first experience, first duty station, mm -hmm. so first everything. And uh, for my first car, Nissan Skyline, it was old, beat up, whether it's J, J <laughs> inspection or whatever you had to do. Yeah. Busy, but I do um, remember that stuff. Yeah, I don't think any of those clubs are there anymore. Not at all. I do have a yeah. picture 
I was going to put it up, but a picture of uh, the pyramid that I had taken and I uh, posted it on Facebook one time. It was crazy. I know. Um, well, I think you actually, I think it was you who said that you know somebody that I knew from Camp Foster. Um, what was his name? Is it Percy? Or maybe it was somebody else. I thought it was you that oh. said you guys. Oh, uh, Perry Como. Perry. <laughs> yeah, it's Perry Como. But not only that, but Perry, um, he was artillery. I remember that. So he was, when we kind of all had gotten together and seen each other, you got to think, Perry was in boot camp with me. He was also in combat training with me, meaning Tijuana. So we used to go kick it in Tijuana a lot, <laughs> a whole lot, and weren't supposed to. But then it was just that we all crossed each other's paths. And and also Jimmy Jackson. I don't know if you remember that, that, that name. No, he was, I don't he, think so. He was talking to this girl I remember from home. Um, and you might have known her. And I hate to put, put him on blast like this. I know people are different people now, right? So this is terrible. But uh, Jimmy was over there with me, too. And Ron Burns, they grew up in the same town with me. But I remember Jimmy so yeah. much because he was in the same class with me. But he was younger as well. And I was already younger in my class. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. So it just so happened that we met up in Okinawa and he had just gone through boot camp. So that was really weird it's um, crazy we were all over there at the same time yeah because like he um i think he like i met him through people yeah. in that barracks so yeah it yeah, was always that's where you run into everybody i mean yeah uh, whether it's somebody who's fresh in oh a lot of people from sky air force base i remember there was a girl i think she went to school with you uh her name was angela or angie she was in your sister's grade I think she was in your, just like your sister's age. Anne? Uh, you might have called her Anne, but I remember her name was Angie. Um, I don't know. There was an Angie, but... Yeah, I can't put my finger on it when it comes down to it, because a lot of crazy things happen while in Okinawa. Uh, <laughs> okay. At some point in time. <laughs> I remember I met a guy there, like, I was just hanging out with, like, friends, and he was like, oh, well, where did you live before here? I was like, oh, um, Scott Air Force Base, just outside of East St. Louis. He's like, oh, so you're from East St. Louis? And I was like, no, it was just outside of East St. Louis. He's like, don't say you're from East St. Louis. If you're... I was like, I didn't say I was from East St. Louis. I said it's just outside of East St. Louis. Because East St. Louis ain't St. Louis. Okay, let's just be I honest. know. I was like, do you, if I said I lived in Sky Air Force Base and went to Mascuda High School, if you don't know that area, you don't know what I'm talking about. So I say it's just outside of St. Louis. <laughs> just outside of St. Louis. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, chill out, man. I said just outside of. <laughs> he was uh, really probably protective of his homeland. Yes, so. <laughs> I've run into that a lot in my travels, I should say. It's good to meet somebody that you know from that area. Sorry, I got some technical difficulties going on. Oh, um, but, um, it's good to meet somebody from outside in that environment in another place. Uh, it always has the connection, you know what I mean? Well, and there's that familiar, because I remember when I saw you, like, it was so cool because I was like, oh, cool. It was somebody from, yeah, like my previous duty station, like where we were stationed at. And so it was that familiarity. So it was nice to, like, have something always that was familiar. And it was just like it was we were seeing the same people just in a different capacity, and that was great. Yes. Um, yeah. let's see. 
All right. So, did you, well, let's see. Um, I know. Sorry. I've got, like I said, I got this on my phone because I couldn't print up. So, what do you think? What was your favorite aspect about growing up in the military, being an airport brat? Sidewalks. What? That sounds crazy, but sidewalks. Sidewalks? <laughs> when I was a kid, no, no, no bullshit. I used to compare every place I had ever been as a kid, and even the house, you know, I grew up in and the town I grew up in most of my life, I would say, uh, to the the bases. Like the bases, all the neighborhood had, neighborhoods had sidewalks. If you rode your bike, you rode your bike on the side of the street, where there was not a lot of people parking on the street, depending on what neighborhood you live in. Um, right. And there were sidewalks. So funny. <laughs> that, I know that sounds crazy, but this let me know I'm in a nice neighborhood when I see sidewalks. Nice, safe neighborhood. And I was truly deceived a few times in life. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so every nice neighborhood doesn't have sidewalks. Let's just say. Yeah, and then, like, I don't know if you remember this, like, you don't walk, you're not supposed to walk on the grass. Yeah, so like it Some would annoy me. Yeah, yes, like in the base, they always have you know the signs like don't walk on the grass. Like even now, like I get annoyed with my kids or my husband if they start walking on like if there's a sidewalk and I'm like there's a sidewalk for a reason. Walk on the sidewalk. Stop walking on people's grass. You don't need to be doing that. Well, I'm old and I turned into my dad, so I'm the guy outside with the little clippers on the grass, just trying to make sure it's perfect on the side. <laughs> walkway everything probably i'm that dude so yeah because like, i'm you're an proud of it neighbor. you're proud of your lawn exactly nothing. so <laughs> my two days a week i'm outside cutting the grass so. yep nothing wrong with that yourself on the sidewalk i've never heard that one yet <laughs> i would say that was my first that let me know that i was in a place where i was going to be around or should that was my experience at that time yeah. i was with people of multiple ethnicities and, you know, uh, and I can get along with a little bit of everybody because we were all just there. And I hate to say it, no matter who you were, how you were, this was the neighborhood kids we had. Oops, sorry about that. So then if since you lived on the team, you said you moved back to or you moved to Lebanon when you were about seven or eight years old. But you hung out on Scott Air Force Base a bit. Did you ever like feel like somebody had brought this up? Um like a us versus them, like people who live on base versus those who don't? Like, did you ever like notice that or feel that or anything like that? It was always that. So you got to know, um, Greg, Gary, I would say all of the guys you know that when, when we were growing up, we're all Air Force brats to begin with. Right. And so that's how we, we would meet up at school and just be like, hey, I'm going over to the rec center because we didn't have a rec center in our town. We didn't have a place to go play basketball or do something after school. And one of our parents would always say, hey, you all you guys got an ID card. So let's just go over there. And because my dad was still in, you know, he retired from the Air Force. So I was always still a dependent. You know what I mean? Right. So I had my, um, I graduated, I should say, with my, <laughs> my ID card until I got my own, right? So, um, so it was always, that was the place. And I met, um, I learned how to DJ. Uh, through a female DJ. I don't know if you remember a lot of folks, the Rexon would always hire this girl, uh, DJ Rude One, um, Renita. Um, and she was from Chicago, but she was stationed there at the time as well. So at that time, she taught me how to DJ. I kind of had my own idea and I was doing it. 
but she taught me how to really do it and always give her the credit uh, as far as that's concerned. So um, that was just a place for us to hang out and live life and love it. You know what I mean? So I think that's all I can really say. Uh, as far as the, the experience of living around um, dependent families, um, there's people from all, from all walks of life. So you're going to get everything. And you might think you have an idea of what that is, but people are just people at the end of the day. Yeah. And peopling is one of those things that um, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing just to be around a bunch of folks who just happen to be there and we're all kids. So it's just, we went outside to play. That's what we did at that time. They can say that. Were there a lot of um, military families in Lebanon? Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was. Either it's, it's three categories. You okay. were the church family, the military family, or the farm family. That was kind <laughs> of it. That was the three categories I can put you in. Um, or just the people who moved out of the city family. So there was four categories. We all kind of meshed together to a certain degree. Uh, but then there was the, the disconnect. Of course, coming off a, mil a military base, uh, there's a different temperament that you have coming into, uh, I want to call it a regular environment. So getting out of a uh, walking Like a civilian environment or? Yeah, walking back and forth to school every day. On the base, that's something you would do. Your mom would just say, hey, walking down to the elementary school, that might be 16 blocks away, but it's like right in the neighborhood. I lived in, I remember I lived in Weary at the time. I, mean, I think that's what it was called. Right? Yeah, Cardinal that, Creek area. Yeah, and I was right right there by the um, elementary school. Then I moved into, um, sorry, then I started going to middle school, was it? Or just grade school? But we moved to the other side of the base, and I had to catch the bus from, what is it, Shiloh? And um, mm -hmm. and that was just, just different for me. Yeah, some kids went to Mascuda. Yeah. And then other kids went to the school that was there on base, depending on where you were located, I guess. Yeah, because um, like we had been stationed there twice. And I guess originally, like my sister, I think, was at the Scott Air Force Base Elementary School. But like I remember when we lived there the first time, I went to Mascuda Elementary. So I'm not sure like what what why you would go to one versus the other but maybe it was just like how many people like if it was the scott air force base school was full i don't know but it is close like that is a like we rode the bus a lot and then um like i work in a school district now and like you have to apply to ride the bus and it's only if you live in certain areas or even like in the city like they don't have school buses in the city it's really yeah. weird or at least i thought it was weird but hmm. um um, so do you think that, um, attending since you, I guess, I don't know how much of remembering you or how much you remember attending a Dodd school. Do you think that that is different than attending well, a civilian school, a public school? I went to a Dodd school up to fourth grade. Okay. Um, so I, my, of course, those are elementary school, um, memories more than anything and carry them over from the kids who were dependents at the school I was at. It's not that we clicked up or acted different or anything like that. I just think we had a an idea of how this thing goes that some of the other kids may not have had. You know what I mean? In, a, in another environment. It kind of kept everybody kind of safe and together. Uh, but 
as far as DOD schools themselves, I would see, I would say there's a lot more parent involvement more than anything. Okay. On that side, only because it's not like it was kind of a sense of duty. And I mm -hmm. later on realized that that's what it was. It was a sense of duty to the to the the others around that the parents are going to get involved and they're going to do more to say what's going on in the schools and what's being taught in the schools uh, than outside the base, depending on if you went to, uh, um, what do you call it? I think there was uh, there was some, some kids I knew that went to Alta. That was a private school right there in our area. And they would be able to. So what lessons do you think you learned up growing being a military brat that have kind of stuck with you today? Oh, we had bullies. We had the same thing that everybody else has. In every school, we had bullies. We had uh, the influences <laughs> for other things throughout the school as far as it's concerned. But I would say, um, can you repeat the question one more time? I just want to make sure I answer. So what that. lessons what or lessons? traits or characteristics did you learn as like growing up in the military that you think have stuck with you today? Well, I just learned to have tolerance more than anything and not necessarily for behavior, mm -hmm. uh, but for coming in, being dropped into something and being prepared for it, even though you're amongst people who aren't. And um, I, I want to say that the DOD schools themselves prepared me for the education that I ended up getting. And I can see where the education outside of the DOD school system probably kind of failed some folks because the teachers weren't, um, I won't say they weren't educated, but they weren't <laughs> structured properly <laughs> to support the, uh, the, the teachers themselves. The infrastructure wasn't there for them. And, um, and, uh, and uh, moving into a hometown environment, if you want to call it that, those teachers had been there through some of the parents' schooling. And otherwise, on DOD schools, it wasn't. Right. She was going to be stationed there with her husband or whatnot for a few years, and you got her, but when you got her, you got her. She was there. That was her job. She was there to teach. She wanted to be there. She was there for that. Although, on the other side is, oh, I know your dad. You're going to be with <laughs> your dad. You're that. I, see, I know what you come from. So you're being judged in a couple of different ways. So I would say that it's a little less biased, and I may be wrong nowadays, but it's a little less biased going into a, a DOD school environment because I think the teachers are just, I won't say they're paid any better because um, I really don't know. Um, but it's just something that's more of a focus on what's there, happening. There seems to be, and I remember like um, like at Kubasaki, like I knew a couple of kids who came in like their senior year and their um, credits didn't quite transfer over. So they had to like repeat some stuff or go to summer school. And because like, I guess the, the U.S. public school, it was just quite different in, um, I guess, what was required for graduation. So when they switched over to the Kubasaki Dot School, it was like they had to do like almost like they had to catch up in a sense. So, oh, like, yeah. yeah, I've got to, I've got to, I got to look into that a little more and talk to teachers and stuff and see what they think. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I mean, as a kid, if I'm saying that, and it's my perspective as a third, fourth grader, come on. It's, it's like it's, you can visibly see, like it's 
And then to the Dodds teachers, they see kids going in and out constantly. And then you'll have like some kids. I remember in high school, there would be a couple of kids that would try to pull their dad's rank on the teacher. And the teacher's <laughs> like, yeah, that means nothing to me. <laughs> they have an outside of the DOD school too. So I will say. Yeah, but it's just like, um, but yeah. yeah, but then they also know that like these kids like, oh, you're going to be gone in a couple of years. <laughs> like, it don't matter. Like, so it's, it's, it's an interesting um, dynamic, I guess, like that I think mm -hmm. I want to look more into. But um, all right. So we already went into why you joined the Marine Corps. What possessed you to go from Air Force brat to Marine Corps? <laughs> Best thing ever happened to me, actually. But you oh, know, <laughs> <real> <laughs> short, Marine, right always a Marine. Right? <laughs> so how yeah. long were you in? Did you do four years? No, I did. Um, well, it ended up being eight. So I did four active duty, got out, and then every time I could, um, you know, have break between classes or whatever. I mean, between, you know, I guess, yeah, classes, break between semesters and whatnot, spring break, or um, I would find myself uh, ADSW or active duty special work. Okay. And basically, um, you're in the individual ready reserve, but you can request the orders to go somewhere and get and work if you want to. Because I had this idea of uh, going back into the Marine Corps as an officer once I got my degree, right? Mm -hmm. And I did just that. Oh. So I left Illinois State in 19, the end of 99, beginning of 2000. Then I went to Quantico. And um, are we, is there a question pertaining to this I need to go into? Or am I just telling the story? Keep going. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> all right. So, um, I left, I left and went into, um, what am I going to say? What was I at? Um, so Quantico. I left, I left Illinois State University after my first contract and I went to um, do ADSW, after the special work at Quantico, the Marine Corps Warfighting Laboratory. So I learned something that I had done a little with while I was in Okinawa, because in Okinawa, um, there's another story that goes along with it, but I ended up switching a few jobs here, there, and everywhere. I ended up being an administrative Marine more than anything. So I was doing personnel type work, back and forth to dispersing, doing those types of runs. Um, and I was also uh, handling the uh, embark with the uh, with the supply folks. So we were basically going on uh, what we would call uh, with the Marine Expeditionary Force, we would go out with them on 31st Mew and um, basically do an operation. So. When the embark had to happen, you know, all of the gear, everything had to be cataloged, the trucks, the maintenance, and everything like that you're going to be taking, which you kind of had to be cataloged in certain systems. I remember those. So in doing that, I ended up going to the warfighting lab and using absolutely everything that I ever learned. And no one could ever tell me that acquisition was the culmination of every, um, every Marine Corps MOS, every job you'll do in a Marine Corps MOS, is getting goods and services from your base station at home to war and fighting the war and getting all this stuff back home. So I learned all of that inside of four to six months. And this was a water hose turned on and they were just like, hey, Corporal Davis, we think you can do this. You came here because you wanted to be an officer. Hey, the staff sergeant you work with is an instructor over at OCS. You go over there and do PT with them all the time and train those candidates and tell us if you want to be one of those candidates. So needless to say, some contractors talked to me before that actually happened, or while that was happening, I should say. 
and they showed me the money. Yeah. I had no idea there was that kind of money in doing that kind of work. And I say this with a smile on my face because um, I left Illinois State thinking that I'm going to do radio, communication uh-huh. major, right? So once I get back here, I'm going to hit the radio. We're going to do everything we're supposed to do. But then I found out how much they make. And I was like, <laughs> better than this. <laughs> so I just talked to some contractors and they told me, hey, you don't have to go back to State Farm. I was working at State Farm corporate office while I was one school. Um, and they were just like, you don't have to go to State Farm. You can just come here and we got a contract for you. You already know everything. So let's go. And they showed me the money and I was like, no, I can't get paid that much because I'm used to getting paid like, what, 40, 50 grand at the most. And it's just the greatest thing in the world. And they show me numbers that make that look stupid. <laughs> There's no way in the world I could have believed it. Um, but I ended up I ended up staying. I took on a leap of faith. I ended up staying um, in Virginia um, as a civilian, started work selling cars more than anything. And there I made the largest paycheck in a year I've ever made in my life. That was the greatest job ever, but there's some things in the car business if you're not suited for it, it's not for you. All right. Yeah. Just, um, so <laughs> I ended up working as a DOD contractor, and here I am today. Oh, wow. Are you still doing that? Still doing that today. I was a government employee for a period of time, but you know, they can give you an office and a title. Um, but I'm one of those guys I just I just work without putting my resume out there. I like to do the work. Yeah. Instead of telling people to do the work and I don't know how to do the work. I'm not that supervisor manager guy, which I later found out that transfers in the leader. We'll find out how that works. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but that's that story. Kind of went on a tangent there, didn't it? Nope, that's fine. So um, was Okinawa the only overseas um, station you were, or uh, overseas place you were stationed at as a Marine? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, you're Marine for life, right? So right. I'm a, <laughs> I, um, I'm a Marine when it all comes down to it. So at the end of the day, I ended up working on a Marine Corps program. Uh, well, it wasn't a Marine Corps program. It was led by the Marine Corps, but it was a joint program. I was working for a DOD, the Office of the Secretary of Defense at the time, and they said, hey, we got this project down here. You know how to do the the congressional reporting. Go work on this project. But this project was uh, the bringing the mine resistance ambush protected vehicles and creating all those vehicles that we went to war in the desert with, right? And they were just like, you need to go do that. So I spent some time back and forth to Kuwait back and forth inside of Iraq, um, Saudi Arabia, and some other places, I'll say that. And they were just like, hey, you're doing the job, you're doing it good, but they didn't want to pay me the money. So I was like, done. So with that being said, the war got got into full swing. And later on, uh, through a couple other job changes, I ended up over there on an independent contract as a civilian, kind of moving some things and trying to stop the war, I should say. So as someone who grew up in that military community, so to speak, like, do you think, um, how did that, I don't know, like, do you think that that helped prepare you or how, I guess, what were your expectations when you joined the Marine Corps as an active duty? Do you, like, what were some of those differences? Well, the difference with me, a lot of folks would say I had a lot of tact and diplomacy, but Mm -hmm. I learned that because my dad was a, what, he was a chief master sergeant, 
Mm-hmm. And he was my dad. Okay, my dad was, you know, you know <clears throat> those E8C9s, they're different kind of guys. Right. Doesn't matter what service you're in, they AJ squared away all the way. And that's who he was. You know, he was just that guy. And, um, you know, I, re- I remember him. I remember, if nothing else, I remember that about my dad. He always stayed on point, always kept it together. And when it came to work, his personal life might not have been the greatest. But when it came to work, you conducted yourself a certain way. And I think that translated into the career that I have now uh, because of, you know, you see the records around me. That translates into, into the whole DJing thing. I got into DJing so I could stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. So I just stay out of the streets, stay out of drugs, stay out of everything else that might distract me in life, no matter what. But it was because of that, uh, you, military men and women, um, you got to understand that they go through changes. And sometimes the best way to connect with home is through music. That's the way, that's what they remember, what they were listening to at home. That's kind of how things stay together, going to events and just mi- mixing and mingling with people and kind of staying from the world you're from, but in another world kind of outside of that, because you're stationed everywhere. Right. And you got to bring who you are and what you are everywhere you go. And the only way to really stay connected to that is really kind of through music and the artists that you find yourselves involved with. So that's a that's another explanation for another thing. Um, <laughs> uh, but it absolutely prepared me for everything that I would get myself into because I got to see it. You know what I mean? I got to see it in action. I, it wasn't just my dad coming home, you know, looking like that in uniform. It was all the other dads on the street that were coming home and they were just like, hey, I'm going outside to play son, play football with my son. And if he's outside playing football with his son, then all the other fathers are outside. So you know what this football game looks like, right? As we get older, yeah, they start losing. And they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> So yeah. in, some ways, in some ways, a lot of ways, I kind of wish that I didn't get out the Marine Corps uh, and stayed in so that I could give my son and my daughters, um, well, my sons and my daughters, uh, all that experience from just being outside with the other families and up and down the street playing games or whatever, whatever it might be, just in the neighborhood. So that has a lot to do with um, the formation of a person's courage and confidence in getting out in the workforce in the first place. None of these things are intimidating. You know what I mean? I think that's really the the core of what I'm trying to say because I was less intimidated uh, than some people were because I was I, I worked with people who were uh, from a working ground. You know what I mean? They could talk. Yeah. About, I heard men talking about their work. You know what I mean? All the time. Yeah. And being a work conversation. I never know what they were talking about. I just thought he was the type of guy to go up and talk to any random dude on the street or any random person. <laughs> just figured, hey, he goes into a parking lot, he sees somebody they have a conversation. This is how it's supposed to work. Right. <laughs> That's how I ended up making friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hate to say it like that. That is so true. <laughs> you just walk up to remember when you're a kid, you're just walking up and front. Hey, my name is Jennifer. Who are you? <laughs> And then it just goes from there. Oh. That, that my, didn't even so. my dad will still do stuff like that too. It's funny. Yeah, it kind of throws you off a little bit, huh? 
no, and you're right. Like that E eight, E nine, like level, they are. They're they're a different breed. I mean, but they've been in for you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, some odd years. So yeah, and at that, that time, that's old. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, right? <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I always thought it was funny. Like, I think I know, I know a few guys like who they grew up in the Air Force and then they joined the Marines. And I'm like, and in Okinawa, like I learned more since I lived on a Marine Corps base, just like how much the two of them aren't like very copacetic with each other. <laughs> like my dad had lots of jokes about the Marines and the Marine my Marine friends had lots of jokes about the Air Force. And so like I see some of my friends, I'm like, what possessed you to go from an Air Force brat to a Marine? <laughs> I'm telling you, not too far from each other. Um growing up, I would see Marines on the base. You know that uniform looks so much different than mm -hmm. anybody else. And they always, every time there was somebody important getting off of a plane, um, you know, you'd be in the stands watching it or whatever, and you see the Marines come out, and they're obviously dressed different from everybody else, and they're like, hmm, that uniform is nice. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's that many of them. They're not doing too much. I can do that. <laughs> and then you go to boot camp, and it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... so you're still kind of, I guess you still work a little bit with, so, but what was that transition like when you had to, um, like you finally left active duty? And, um, but I mean, you still worked a little bit with the Marines. So did you feel like there was much of a transition or? There was definitely a transition. I'll say that. Um, going into civilian life, hope I'm on topic here. <laughs> uh, but going into civilian life, I had a, a jaded idea of what's, what's supposed to happen next. Mm -hmm. Now, just imagine I'm coming off, um, wasn't my first job in the Marine Corps. I had other little jobs around, right? Worked at Radio Shack, um, worked at Hardee's. I remember that. Uh, even worked washing dishes at McKendree College right there in the town I grew up in. So um wasn't my first job. So I kind of had a little bit of a work ethic. Um, how else can I say this? Hmm. I feel like that work ethic is different, though. What's the like when, I just want to stay on topic. <laughs> no, so like when you, so I mean, you're talking about work at, like with transitioning out of active duty into a more civilian role. Like I think, um, sorry, my dogs were barking. Um, I think that work ethic, like I'll hear that a lot from people, especially veterans. Like when they get into civilian jobs, like they see that difference in their own work ethic or even like other military people that come into a more civilian type job, like you can yeah. tell the difference in that work ethic. And the Marine Corps, you have to understand the dress code is serious. It's important. Mm -hmm. And you have to be well shaven, well shaven, like shaven properly more than anything. Right. You have to wear your clothes a certain way. Things have to be creased and ready to go. And, you know, I carried that over. So carrying that over into civilian life, I seemed to be a little more squared away than everybody else, but only I was, I was just following orders. Right. Was mindset of, oh, I got to have my shirt tucked in. You know what I mean? I have to have my, of course, my shoes tied. Socks can't be too crazy. Uh, so, and I know all these are little things or whatever, but when somebody important comes in, you put on a jacket. That's just it. When the vice yeah. president 
floor or the generals on the floor. You dress a certain way or you make sure you're uh, covered down a certain way. Um, right. Without using any technical terms, that's pretty much what it is, is that I know a certain protocol and I'm going to follow that protocol until somebody shows me different. And and it, and it come, bleeds out of everybody, of all services. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't have those, ends up in those inspections. And we're raised by, of course, a, um, a person enlisted or officer or uh, they bring it home. You got to, you got to, in my house, I had to fold my sheets a certain way. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm the only one who had a military rack, you know, set up for my Elmo sheets. You know what I mean? So <laughs> the craziest thing in the world, you could bounce a quarter off that thing. So you know, I'm so special. <laughs> it was what it was, you know? Yep. <laughs> It wouldn't happen no other way. Yep, I get it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you want to mention or say no, or anything? This is enlightening. I mean, I really haven't talked about any of this stuff in detail to some of the things I'm saying. I can't even believe I'm saying because I realized that's where I got it from. You know what I mean? That it's is a reminisce. So, so I guess sometimes you do, and it's therapeutic in a lot of ways. It is. And I say that because I lost my dad back in 2017. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, this is the first time I'm actually really talking about him in a public setting, you know, where, you know, who oh. his influence. I'm going to say, this, this is pretty great. So this is that, And I appreciate that. Even though he pissed you off one day and you joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> my dad. So I guess like real quick before we stop recording, what was his reaction when you came home and you were like, I joined the Marines? Well, he was actually, um, he was just, he was just moving to, my parents had already split at the time and he was going to Warner Robins Air Force Base. And my mother called him and was like, um, your son went down to sign up today. And he's like, oh, yeah, everything good. He got on. Let me talk to him. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be going to the Marine Corps in, uh, in September. <laughs> and it was a click. <laughs> we just hung up. I was like, what just happened here? <laughs> <laughs> so my mom got him back on the phone. And he was just like, I, that's just it. I knew you, you just weren't sure of yourself. <laughs> You, you think you got to do this to prove something to somebody? This is my dad, you know what I mean? Oh. So I was just like, yeah, this is, I tell them, I just, and my only answer for him was, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, it was kind of felt like I was coming home, and I don't mean this in any derogatory way, okay? I don't, maybe I shouldn't say it, but maybe I was, I felt like I was having a coming out the closet conversation. Is that is that okay? I'm fine with it. <laughs> Because like, I know you don't mean it in a derogatory <laughs> way. Like, yeah, so, so people get like, upset. They get upset. They need to move. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Dad, I'm joining the Marine Corps. He was just like, I don't know if I approve of this lifestyle. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are you gonna be doing with these guys? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was along those lines, and I, I might laugh about it, but he was serious. But the Marines are quite a different breed. Like, oh yeah, he meant that. He meant oh, that. Yeah. He wasn't gonna tell me that I couldn't do it. That was the mm-hmm. greatest thing about it. He didn't tell me I couldn't do it. He just told me he didn't like it. 
Right. And later on, when I end up having some of these same conversations with my kids, even, um, you know, I use the same thing. I don't like it. But you support. Yeah, I'm sure he was so I proud of you. Yeah. You were a Marine. Yeah. You were so. a soldier. All right. Well, thank you, Corey, for coming on. This was so much thank fun. You. I